What's up, team? It's Adam from Champion Builder, and welcome to the Champion Builder Show. On today's episode, I sit down with Chitty, and I interview her. We go into detail about her upbringing, lessons she's learned from the game, and things she's looking forward to here in the future. I hope you learn a couple things from Chitty, and let's dig in. champions we're back for podcast two and i am with chitty what's up chitty hey hey how's everyone doing uh we hope everybody's having a great december and these next two podcasts are going to be really deep diving into both me and chitty's past history so you can get to know us a little better um and i think uh once you get a good feel for us you can kind of see where this podcast is going to be going and what we have in store for you. Uh, so today it's going to be me interviewing Chitty, and then the next podcast will be her interviewing me. So you'll get to judge us based on the questions we have for each other. Oh, man. <laughs> Is there anything uh, you want to say? Yeah, that you might win that competition. <laughs> <laughs> anything before we get started here, Chid? No, not at all. I'm just, I'm excited for you guys to get to know us a little bit more and see what we're about and, you know, see where this is going to um, take off to. And you guys are probably going to find out information that most people don't even know. Maybe we don't even know. Yeah, we don't even know. Maybe we don't even know it. You know, it depends on where these questions take us. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to get going and, and see what's ahead of us. So uh, to get things going here, let's go back all the way to the beginning. Yes. As far back as you can remember, what's, uh, I guess, what are your like best memories of sports, childhood, growing up, being a Michigan kid? Yes. Um, let's see. Far back as I can go. Well, um, here's something about me. I have four brothers. So um, my two older brothers, I have two older brothers and two younger brothers. So we were really active kids, so I remember always being outside, always, 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 and we had to, we always were either up at the tot lot playing uh, wiffle ball, we played pickle all the time, we played, um, we lived right around the block from Cabrini, so we played on the side of the school, uh, wall ball type deal, or strikeout, so constantly playing as kids, playing in the streets where my brothers would throw baseballs, throw footballs, all those things. I just remember <clears throat> my brothers playing with their friends all the time and I wanted to join them and there was a couple of times there were some tears. There was definitely <laughs> some tears involved, but it was like, okay, well, if I want to play with my brothers and his friends, like I need to be able to keep up with them. So, that was kind of, I don't know, something that I always like, okay, like Whatever, like if they're they're gonna throw it hard. If I want to play with them, I have to handle it. Um, so yeah, we played that. We played sports all the time. Football. We played in my when I was younger too. My dad. Um, I was really into basketball when I was younger. So my dad um, put down a slab of cement in the backyard with a uh, one of those big gorilla basketball hoops. Like that was like wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and we were out there playing on that thing all the time. He even put a light up there for us so that we could be out there at night. I'm sure the neighbors didn't like it too much, but we enjoyed it. So those, I think, were probably some of my favorite memories, like, way, way, way back. And then we used to, I mean, I know I did, waited for my dad to get home from work so he'd go up to the field with us and play with us at the field. And 
we always wanted to play. So. So you always had somebody to try to keep up with. I did. I did. And then if I didn't have anyone to keep up with, my dad was always right there to be, he was, he would, come on, let's go. <laughs> and he was always willing to go. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you said they'd get pretty competitive. Yes, definitely. My brothers did not hold back. I'm telling you, I came in the house with a lot of tears. When, when did you go for, from like trying to keep up with your brothers and holding back the tears to like being competitive? Like, knowing that you're going to get after it, too. Oh, gosh. I don't even know. I don't know if I pieced all that together, not to, like, middle school or something, or, like, later on, maybe going into high school. It's like, I think it was just in me. It's not something I ever really thought about. I'm just, it was, I think it got created by trying to keep up with them. Like, I'm going to beat you guys. Like, yeah. we're going to win. Because everything was always a competition. So, I think that kind of stirred up from, you know, growing up with with being around sports all the time and wanting to play and being outside and challenging yourself in those different areas. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Nikki Nemitz Cordis now here at Michigan at practice the other day, and we were talking about playing outside mm-hmm. and how we would always just create games and get lost, and I think kids today should do that as much as they can oh my gosh yes yeah playing up at the park all the time like I mean just throwing wiffle balls at each other throwing rocks like whatever you can find to kind of play tennis balls I agree you don't really see that often anymore at all like I walk around I do like hour walks and I'll take a tennis ball with me even now I'm 30 (laughs) I just throw the tennis ball against the wall as I'm walking or throw it on the ground as I'm walking just something to do something to play yeah you know? absolutely. so i think anytime you have random objects and equipment around just come up with a game absolutely and, and don't be embarrassed to do it like if you want to go outside and have fun go outside and have fun yeah. you'll find people to do it yeah and i think coaches who are listening out there can get creative and allow their players to come up with games absolutely especially tennis balls tennis balls are a good one to get creative with Hey, go check out our YouTube. We got a tennis ball video up this week. We <laughs> did. Um, so, going from, like, when did sports first start becoming more uh, organized for you? Going from, like, playing with your brothers yeah. to playing on actual teams. Well, I remember growing up and playing on my brother's team. So, I played baseball. They played baseball. My dad was a coach for a little bit. And I was, like, house ball. So, I would play with them. And I honestly think it got to a point, it got to a point where I was like, okay, I really like this, but it's like, I'm 11 or 12 and I'm still playing baseball. Like I need to find, you know, what can go further, you know, with, with this sport and it was softball. And so, um, and I, and around that age too, I was playing, um, that's when I started playing AU basketball. So when I was 12, I transitioned into playing AU basketball and uh, travel softball. So that was when things started taking the turn, I guess. It's more organized for me and competitive. So because before it was just like, I remember I played on um, a team, a softball team that was kind of like in like around the city travel ball. And I was playing, I was 12 playing with like 16 year olds or something like that, like 15, 16 year olds. So I was playing up. And then my dad did some research, and that's when he found um, finesse. And that's when I played for finesse all the way from my second year, 12s, all the way through. And then with basketball, AU basketball, it was like we played at um, Down River Ravens was like the team that I played for for a little bit. And then moved to Livonia Lightning, and uh, I don't know. There was a couple other teams that I played for. And I played AU basketball 
all the way up until um, I, my high school, until high school. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I played both those organized and then I played volleyball just in middle school. I started playing volleyball in fifth grade and did that. I just, I love playing sports and I love playing the multiple sports. So. so what's like one lesson you learned from like playing basketball for so long that you could use playing in your softball career? Oh, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that one, Adam. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think in basketball, there's more of, there's definitely more competitiveness constantly. Like in Because you're in somebody's face probably. 24-7, yeah. yeah. Like there's balls all over the place. You have to dive after the balls. I mean, you don't have to, but like if you want to get it, you got to go. Should, yeah, yeah, you got to go for it. <laughs> um, so I would say that, um, I don't know, the hustle. I think that the hustle and the constant, you know, like like you said, in your face type deal, I think that transferred over to softball a little bit. Like that that want to to be I don't know I, I keep thinking like in it and competitive like the whole entire time because softball there's moments where it's like it, it is a lull like it is like okay like what's gonna happen now so like keep trying to figure out ways how to like make it competitive in any way that you could because mm-hmm. basketball was constant yeah and I'm sure playing basketball you served another role other than like what you'd usually do on the softball field I would say so. Like, were you the top dog all the time in basketball? <laughs> Bad question for Chitty. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say all the time, but I was, I don't know, I was a gifted athlete. <laughs> <laughs> the humble way to put it. Oh, geez. I just think people playing other sports, for the most part, allows them to, yeah. to serve another role. I would say in volleyball, that was a big okay. a big thing for me. There we go. I had to I had to step back in and really like, okay, how am I gonna do this? I had to really learn it didn't come as natural to me, so I had to really learn the different like the way the game works, the way the people how you move, the different personalities. I think that's a big thing too, is there's different personalities in basketball, volleyball and softball. Mm-hmm. Like and that for me was I think pretty cool, like to transition into like different personalities with the people that you played with. Mm-hmm. So you definitely have to adapt as an athlete, a leader or wherever kind of person, depending on the team that you're on. You know, it's just it's just different, and it's it's hard to explain because you can't like go in there and expect to be different. No, it just kind of creates itself, and I don't know. I think that was definitely something that like it always took me a little bit to transition into the different personalities that were on the different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much I can say about it and how I dealt with it or what I did with it, other than like at the end of the day, we're all there because we want to play the sport, and I, that's a common common goal common thing so it's like if you can relate to everyone with that that you're out on that court to get better at learn and 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 win then things start molding together and you are aware enough to understand that there were different personalities on yes court yes exactly because like you could joke with you know a group of people way different than maybe another group maybe this team thinks things are funny and the other team didn't so it's like and that happens nowadays too with even going from different organizations and different softball teams like every year is new players there's rarely ever do you get the same group of people Mm -hmm. so that's what's unique about playing on different teams and stuff and and you can't always expect okay well this last year like this is what it was like right you know blah blah blah. like no it's always a new year it's always a new way of you know combining a team together it's still that way that you know to this day with playing on new teams Mm -hmm. yeah every year with team usa i'm sure it's a different feel yeah 
So, um, so going from more of like the youth sports, okay, let's get into the recruiting time for you. Because that happened probably, what, freshman? Freshman year. Freshman year? Yeah. Okay, so what was that whole experience like for you? See, that whole experience was much different for me than a lot of people, too. And so, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah. We're here to talk about you. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so everyone's experiences with recruiting is different. Um, I was actually talking to my parents a little bit about the other day because, I don't know, I guess I'm the type of, was an athlete that just, I just enjoyed being out there, so I don't remember, I never got caught up in a lot of different things. Um, you know, I know that when I was in eighth grade that it was either eighth or ninth grade that, um, when we were playing with finesse, like some of the coaches would come out and watch. And I remember my dad making a comment to me afterwards saying that, you know, I heard one of the coaches up there say that, oh yeah, there's like, you know, Michigan's, um, like 30%, like they're talking percentages and that's like central's full. Like no one ever, you know, can get a scholarship to go play at Michigan if you're from Michigan. And it, and in my mind, when I heard my dad say that, I was like, you kidding me? Like, I want to go to Michigan. And, you know, I didn't really even understand the concept of full scholarships, half scholarships, this, I just knew that like a full scholarship was a good one, you know, like yeah, naive, yeah. very naive. It was in my own little bubble. Everybody could get one. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what? Well, yeah. Why, why is it only for certain people? Right. <laughs> I work hard. So, um, yeah, the whole process, I was very naive and I wasn't caught up in all of it. It didn't, you know, wasn't like it stressed me out. Like I knew that I went, I think it was like, I watched Michigan win the national championship in 2005 it was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. And that's right down the street. Like, and I got, I went to a couple of camps when I was, I think in eighth grade and Hutch called me chitty and <laughs> that was awesome. And so, you know, but I'm telling you, like, it wasn't until ninth grade where it was like, okay, I guess I'll do softball. Mm-hmm. It was, I was, my mind was made up in eighth grade that I was either going to play basketball at Duke or UConn, and I was going to play softball at Michigan, like, or I was going to play softball at Michigan, and I didn't know the process of how to get it done or do it, like, I mean, my brothers hadn't gone through it yet either, so Mm -hmm. it was like, you know, which I'm sure that's how it is sometimes for some people out there right now, like, they just really don't know the process of getting it done, but, um, yeah, so I just remember playing a full season my freshman year of basketball, and playing a full season of softball, and it was a good, it was a good year, um, and then uh, playing summer, summer softball. And it was my sophomore year. It was after my sophomore year of softball season. Um, we won the state championship, I'm pretty sure. That's soft, my sophomore year. Yeah, we won it my sophomore and junior year. And I remember it was just like, we we're just like, wow, we won the state championship, all this stuff. We were getting ready to go play that summer. And now the whole recruiting process was like, kind of starting for me, I guess mm-hmm. you could say it was my sophomore year yeah. of where I was truly aware of it because my dad was in, um, you know, Katie Osborne and Marley Powers, like we all played together and it, our dads got together and we're like, okay, like, you know, on our, on these trips, we're going to stop. We're going to go to Notre Dame camp. We'll go to Wisconsin to check out there. We'll, I think we went to Ohio state. I think we went to maybe Indiana. I'm not sure. We went to a couple of schools that were all in the areas that were going to play tournaments. So we were planning all that out. And it was right before we, like right after we won the state championship, I got a call from, um, 
my high school coach mm-hmm. and was like um like hey like you know we 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 want to meet with you and i'm thinking like what you know like michigan called us and like we want we want to talk to you and my parents like invited them over which was really weird like my coach <laughs> they came over to the house and they told me that michigan wanted to offer me a scholarship and i was like wait what because it was just weird like hutch did come to one of my basketball games in high school which mm-hmm. was awesome like to see her in the stand at one of my basketball games i was <gasps> no way, you know. And I remember seeing I don't I think Biggie came to one of my softball games like after I already committed. But mm-hmm. anyways, I um they told me that they wanted to, um, me to come to Michigan and my high school coach told me that and they're like, you know, you call you got to call them because of the rules. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, "Okay." So I remember we were like going to dinner for my brother's birthday and I stepped outside cuz it was like a certain time I had to call them. <laughs> and so I gave him a call and I told Hutch right away. I was like, "Yep, I'll come." <laughs> and she goes, "Well, wait a second. You haven't even like seen campus, like nothing." I was like, "I I I'll come." Like it like I want to go. You were easy. Yeah, I was so easy. She's like, "Okay, let me tell you this." She goes, "How about you go through the summer?" Because I know that you guys have visits set up, all those things. Go and see them. And then after your summer season, we'll meet back up. And you can come, like, in September and come look at campus. And we can make a decision then. I was like, but I want to come. Like, <laughs> it's already a yes. So I did it. And it was – my mind was made up. Like, yeah. I knew where I wanted to go. So I came back from that whole summer playing. And, yeah, I was like – Nothing changed. Nope, nothing changed. <laughs> I was like, yep, I'm ready. So – before this whole process in playing in the summer, uh-huh. did you ever notice like Hutch or Bonnie or anybody in the crowd watching you at games? At games? Um, or any other college coach? Did you notice it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really think I did. Like, honestly, like, I remember people would say like, oh, so-and-so's around, but it was, I was just so into the game. Like, that was... I and if someone was around, I remember maybe I like amped it up a little bit. Like mm-hmm. you know, if Hutch and them, like I remember them being at finesse practice a couple times and those different coaches. Like I was the type like, oh, someone's gonna watch. Okay, here we go. Like you know, <laughs> like and maybe like I said, amp it up just a little bit. But I just it wasn't something that was on the forefront of my mind every time. Like it was just like I'm sure people are watching. I'm gonna play the game and let's keep going. I, so yeah. for so for any player out there yeah. who does notice the coaches in the crowd, what advice would you have for them? The game doesn't change. Like whether coaches are out there watching or whether you're at practice all by yourself, like it's the same exact game. So try to keep keep it that way, and that's something that I you know I think that I did naturally and or intentionally without even realizing it. Like that, it's the same game. So just go out there and play the game, no matter what. The game doesn't know. The game doesn't know exactly. <laughs> and and two, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. It's the the big thing too, and they say it, and it's cliche and all this stuff, but it's so dang true. Is how you respond. How are you gonna respond to that? Are you gonna is it gonna be a little snowball effect, or is it gonna be where you make the mistake? Oh well and you're you're there for the next pitch mm-hmm. having that one pitch focus so it's like you know I think that's that's a big thing but I would try to block it out be in your zone it doesn't matter about anybody else play your game and yeah. things will take care of themselves so either block it out or let it propel you to a different level yeah and, and it's, it's impossible to block it out like know that they're there oh yeah like they're there awesome but just you know boom here I go like acknowledge you can acknowledge it because there's no deni- it can't be a denial but 
acknowledge it and be okay with it. You got to be okay with it. Cool. Um, so you talked about your high school coach. You mentioned yes. her in the first episode. She's awesome. But what what are a couple lessons that you took from playing for her? Oh man. So I remember. Um, oh gosh, I think that she prepared me for Hutch. She may have been harder <laughs> than Hutch, honestly. Uh, coach uh, Debbie Norman. She was she's 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 amazing um i was fortunate enough to have some strong female head coaches in my career and i wouldn't change it for anything i i loved every second of it and um i don't know i think that you know the big thing like i said in the last podcast was like she told me like you know you're talented but that's only going to get you so far like you know you need to have a different edge and that was with the mental book so that was huge um you know i never forget you know she she I don't know, she did make me cry one time or maybe a couple. I don't even know. But there was a moment where she always kept me honest and respectful of the game. She never let me get too big. The second I had a moment of maybe I was testing the waters to get a little bigger, to get bigger than myself, she squashed it right away. So I'll never forget like a moment where I was on first and I was seeing people do delay steals at some point. And I was like, well, I mean, I could try that, you know. I'm not that slow. So I did a lead. <laughs> well, you have to say that. Yeah. Probably too slow. No. <laughs> and then, so, in, um, anyways, I did like a, um, I got a bigger lead off so I could do a delay steal. And there really was no point. It was two, there was two outs. Like I was the only runner on, I got on and I ended up getting myself out. She, I think, met me at like first base. <coughs> I think she met me at first base from third base, ran over to first base and and yelled at me all the way to the dugout. (laughs) And while I was trying to put on my catcher's gear, she, um, yeah, she was yelling at me the whole entire time. And of course I'm in tears like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And she was just talking to me about being like a selfish player. Like that was a selfish play. And you're not like that ball just ripped me up and down so like I said like any moment where maybe there was a pop fly and I didn't run it out where it's like you get all upset and then you kind of just jog down to first like no like that didn't fly so like there's a lot of things that I learned right from the beginning in high school about how to do the things the right way and you stay humble and and you bring your team with you you know like you you're you're you know, one person's not going to win all this. Like your team has to help you here. So how are you going to make them better? How are you going to bring everyone together? So, and I mean, she helped guide that every day with, you know, she came every day to practice with different like uh, little readings and stuff like that and really challenged us in a whole different way. And, and I, she even says it that we brought a different intensity to practice and we wanted more, like we expected more from her too. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, it was really cool. That mean, that experience and she was all about roles on the team like you all have your roles and you need to accept your roles and you need to buy into those roles and I've been still to this day I would say I would say last year more so like with USA was like the first time I've experienced it again with like these last couple of years with USA with the group that we've had but like since high school and that those two national or state championship teams everybody embraced their role like we had people that knew that they weren't going to play and they were the best like cheers on our bench ever they were right there for us every single time you know we had people who knew they were going to go pinch hit at a certain time and man they took every opportunity in their at bat so it's like everyone accepted their roles and they embraced it and we won because of it and at the end of the day like it's you know it's about winning as a team it's not individual stuff 
as much as, as it is an individual sport, it's the meaning comes from the team. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, you know, one of the, I mean, obviously that was many things I just said, but <laughs> it was... Um, All good things. Yeah, she really, she developed, like, a good culture, a really good culture of respecting the game and respecting each other. So when she's in your face, yes. when she's yelling and screaming at you, mm-hmm. like, how does that come across? Like, how do you think in the moment... Um, what that means oh, like how yeah. do you take it what did I do wrong here I you have to take it you have even if it's like ridiculous like you just have to take it and you take it and you take it as best you can obviously I took it with some tears because I disappointed her like I didn't you know I I didn't I thought I was doing something good but in the in reality it was selfish of me because I got the out for the team when it wasn't necessary mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking I, like, upset her or, like, I disappointed her. And it's like, okay, well, like, it, it was a lesson. Like, I'm not going to do that again. Like, why would I be a selfish player? Like, it's not this, – this game is not about me. It's about the team. So what I – the decisions I make on that field, it's got to be about the team. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's definitely many moments of, I mean, getting yelled at. And you just – you got to wear it. You just got to take it in the moment. Even if you don't agree with it, you got to take it. And would you agree – like coaches do that because number one, they have a higher expectation for you. Mm-hmm. Number two, they care about you enough to say it to your face. Absolutely. And number three, probably in that moment, you needed that type of energy to actually realize what you did was wrong. One hundred percent. Because otherwise, you probably wouldn't get the effect of, oh crap. In learning the lesson. That was wrong. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. If she would have just been like, really, Chitty, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I probably would have tried it again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Whenever you see, like, a coach doing that, like, having an emotion, it's probably to give the player an effect of, I'll never do that again. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So sometimes, as coaches, coaches listening, you need to bring a different energy to a situation to get your point across. 100%. So. And if you do it in the right moment, at the right like in the right moment of getting on a player, it will be extremely effective. And if you do it all the time, it loses it effect, its 100%. effect. If you never do it, you'll never have that effect. Yep. So you need to pick your moments mm-hmm. and choose wisely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so we've kind of covered the youth aspect. Yeah. Okay. So let's walk into maybe going into Michigan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, what was your first uh, couple takeaways coming in in the fall, being a new player, freshman year? Yep. Like, what hit you in the face? What weren't you expecting? What was harder than you thought it was going to be? What was easier? So, I'm going to rewind <coughs> a half a little, like, just a couple seconds with that because I think it's important to, like, I did, I got, I committed my sophomore year. So, I had my junior year and senior year. So, what was I going to do with that time, right? You know, I could sit back and say, this well. This is your podcast. Take yeah, it where you want I'm it. going to because, <laughs> cause, because that leads up to the question no. of going into my freshman year fall. That's a great point. So, you know, and it's a situation where a lot of people, you know, just because they commit, they take a they they take a step back and they're like, oh, well, I committed, like I'm good. Yeah, it's not a vacation after that. No, it's not. It's that's where the work begins. It's mm-hmm. like you know, wow, I got my opportunity. What am I going to do with it? So, my to me, it was like my goal 
so it's always it was for me it was always setting that next thing so you know like I want to play in college okay like how you know then that was my goal all right I got that now what's next well what was next for me was I wanted to start my freshman year I wanted to go into Michigan my freshman year and be an impact player like I didn't want to be someone who took their time to earn their spot like I wanted to go in and I wanted to play and so I knew that I had to make let me some interrupt changes. you real quick yeah please sorry no we're please. gonna get back to that when did you first start making goals for yourself? Like, when did you first become aware, like, I can create a goal and I can hit it? Because that's huge. Yeah. Being able to set that expectation for yourself and want to get there. Yeah. I would say in middle school, probably. Like, what's the first goal you think? Oh, gosh. The first big goal that I achieved was, I would say, going to Michigan. Okay. No, my first big goal that I achieved was making varsity. That was a goal of mine in eighth grade. was okay. like, I want to make varsity volleyball, basketball, and softball. And I wanted to be all state in all of them. And I think I did two of the three. Awesome. Yeah. Was So I wanted to go in, same thing. I wanted to go in and I wanted to start in all three of my freshman year and be an impact player. And I did that. Mm-hmm. And so that was... I would say, yeah, like eighth grade is when like transitioning into high school, but I did it in middle school too. But I think the freshman year thing was my biggest one was like, like an aha moment. Like, yes. Like, wow. Like I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I did set some, you know, different things with in, you know, in eighth grade a little bit because I played, you know, travel ball and all those things. So I think the setting the goals in middle school were geared towards high school. Gotcha. Cool. So back to, yes. The between committing and... Yes, so committing, having the goal of starting my freshman year at Michigan was a big one of mine. And people thought I was crazy. Like, there's no way. Like, people even, like, really did think that, like, wow, I can't believe that she got that scholarship to go to Michigan. You know, there's no way she's going to really play. Like, Mm -hmm. no one really expected me to to play much. And in my mind, it's like, you guys are crazy. Like, of course I'm going to play. Like, they asked me to come here. <laughs> but, um, so I knew I needed to, to do some work. And, and it was like, okay, what areas do I need to get better in? What areas am I slacking in and stuff? And I ended up my junior year, I knew my fitness needed to be at a different level. And I'm sure Hutch and them probably had said something to me. Whatever it was, I knew I needed to do something different. So my parents and I, we found a place. And um, I started, like, getting good training and mm-hmm. working out. And that was a game changer for me and um so I started doing that that was a commitment and a sacrifice or whatever you want to call it that I was going to make in training three times a week on top of playing my sports mm-hmm. um so I did that and um but yeah so it was like the work really began like how am I getting like my every day was geared towards like I need to get better so I can start my freshman year at Michigan and obviously try to stay stay you stay in the moment of what you're what you're in like when it was basketball season for me it was basketball season like i did i hit in the garage every now and then like after i committed and stuff yeah absolutely but like my focus still was on basketball because when i played my other sports and i took a break from softball and that to me was it was it was so refreshing and it made me have an itch to come back and play all summer long like on fire because it was like i was so ready just to get out there and play 
because I took that I took a good break from it mm-hmm. and that was something that I was able to do and it, it helped me and so but anyways that yeah I set my goals and I was gonna work hard every single day and I did so going fast forward to Adam's question like I went into Michigan and I remember coming in and dominating the fitness test like I did so good and um, I'll never forget going in and trying to catch for like Nikki Nemitz and Jordan Taylor I think I missed the first 10 balls <laughs> no kidding I struggled catching off them. Yeah, I've never seen so much movement and so much speed in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I think that after I missed all those balls, I was like, well, maybe she's not ready for catching just yet. <laughs> so I got moved all around. But so my freshman year, I I could hit. I hit. So it was so they had to eventually find a spot for me because I was hitting. So I was catching here and there. I was putting, I was literally like a chicken with my head cut off my freshman year, playing all these different positions. And at first I was unaware of things. So it was like, I was fine with it. And then once I realized that, you know, some people are specializing in different positions and I'm just running all around, it became a little more overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the beginning, it was it was the, the speed of the game was so much faster. It was super overwhelming in that sense. Going to school, keeping up with the conditioning, keeping like it was so much. It ended up being a lot. And I will tell you all those to all you people out there who are going into college. Your freshman year fall is going to be your hardest year, your hardest like like um, semester of your whole college career mm-hmm. will be your freshman. Or your freshman fall because you don't realize the demands it takes to be a Division One college athlete and it is a lot and and I know for me like it you know, like I can't sit here and say it was all hunky dory and it was amazing like I did have a good freshman year but I struggled in the beginning big time like I ended up um, I put on a lot of weight because I didn't I didn't have my nutrition I didn't realize how big nutrition was. Um, you know, at home, like you, you get into a routine of things with, with your parents supply food, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how much activity I really was having when I was a kid and the mm-hmm. transition coming into college, all those things. Like I knew a little bit, but when you're on your own and you have, you know, free access to chocolate milk, you can have <laughs> as many bagels as you want, like all those things. Like I put on weight fast with, with that. And that was a big, um, adjustment for me. My freshman year too, was just like, Oh man, like I gained all this weight. I'm in this whole new environment. Like I need to perform all these things. So it was a big, a big transition for me. And I ended up having more effects of it my sophomore year than I did my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Cause my sophomore year, I struggled big time yeah. with, cause you were more aware of things at that point. Right. And you know, the expectations, you know, the pressures, you know, what's you're, you're capable of, mm-hmm. you know, what you're supposed to live up to all those things. So I don't know if we have more questions going into that or should I just keep going? No, no, no. <laughs> just so. We just got a, a surprise visit by Michigan softball volunteer assistant Alex Lajess. She's she stopped in the building today. She's going to get a workout in, and that was a fun little visit. Yes, yeah, she saw that we were podcasting. <laughs> she wanted to jump in, but we had to press pause. <laughs> um, so back to your first year at Michigan. Yes. And talking about some of the lessons you learned. Mm-hmm. What what's the main like off the field lesson? you had to come to terms with because I realized like that's the toughest semester yeah first semester you have probably more time 
than you think you have, mm -hmm. but less time than you think you have. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to it's hard to manage that because um, once you get the season, once you get to that second semester, you're kind of on autopilot. Yeah. Definitely. Like you're playing, like your schedule is dictated. You're kind of not thinking about what's going on. No, your food's planned out, everything. And then after then sophomore year, like you've been through it before, you know what to expect. Yeah. So that first semester off the field. I think the biggest thing was trying to figure out what worked best for me. So I think, you know, I, I, I learned that staying up late, like normal college students do, that didn't work for me. Like I could not stay up late and function the next day. Like I knew that I needed sleep. And for me was, okay, if I get to bed early and wake up and finish work, I'm more productive that way. So it was a lot of testing waters to see what worked for me and what didn't work for me. So I think that was like one of the biggest things that you had to, that I had to learn, you know, like you have to test, I had to test the waters with hanging out with friends and, and I don't know, like in, in my, my mind, my world, I knew that you, you can't have, in, this is my opinion, if you want to be great, at something like you can't have a like a full-blown social life you can't be all A's in your academics and you can't be an all-american in school like I I don't know I don't know if I've met anyone that was all three maybe there are people out there and hats off to you like impressive <laughs> but I couldn't I couldn't do all three so it was like for me I had to figure out that I had to choose and it was going to be academics and it was going to be softball and that was going to be my focus the social life it could be there sometimes but it couldn't be fully i couldn't fully commit into it and i knew that so i think the freshman fall was just a lot of learning and testing waters of what was successful for me like what worked for me mm -hmm. and through those tests you figure out everything that works for you yeah i did i ended up figuring out like mornings were for me i had to have at least like seven eight hours of sleep you know like i couldn't stay up and hang out and all those things like it was so it was a lot of like i said testing and kind of figuring out what was best for me and and you're in the thing too it's like you're surrounded by so many new people you're not with mom and dad anymore like it's just it's a lot all in one moment of your life mm-hmm and I think that's one lesson we can take everywhere in life with us is the testing and experimenting. Mm -hmm. If there's something new you want to try or some new um, plan you want to implement, try it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. See if it works. If it doesn't, that's okay. Go to the next one. Yeah, You'll absolutely. always come up with ideas, especially as you start experimenting and testing things out. Yeah, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's okay. <laughs> it's just a lesson. Yeah. It's, it's something to learn from. Absolutely. Um, so going to then the competition aspect of the freshman year you had a pretty successful year what what did you learn from like your first like true college playing experience oh jeez um well I have to go back to that's kind of a long time ago <laughs> um the mental part of the game I think was like the biggest thing too it was and and that was something like I had to really kind of figure out was there's a lot going on you have coaches on you you have games that are important all the time and it was just yeah it was just it was a lot and I just remember just trying to figure out ways how to slow the game down I got to figure out how to slow this game down because it is moving a mile a minute 
And it was like a situation where, you know, Hutch always says like one pitch focus and she is spot on. Like that's what it has to be. Or cause if you start thinking about what's next, like it's way too overwhelming. Cause there's, there's a lot going on in the game and, and the speed of the game is just so much quicker than what you're used to. And then you have the fans and then, you know, you have all these different things. So, but then at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself it's the same game. Mm-hmm. It is the same exact game. Just go out and play because because there's so much going on. You you do get caught up in all the all the other things around and it moves so fast. But then when you can kind of step back into reality, it's like, hey, it's the same game and just play. Mm-hmm. It's definitely you're going to be more successful. So it's maybe one like tactic you could give the listeners about how you can stay in that one pitch focus. How you can stay in it's just the same game. Like, is there any specific thing you went to to get you in that zone Uh, yeah I think every year is different I think that when you go through like mental training and and different things like every year is is different um of what works for you you know so my freshman year I probably had some saying some maybe you know superstition that I did something that kind of got me back on track so it was and every year is different so even to this day, I have something different every year that gets me, it, whether it's a saying, whether it's I look at something, whether it's I do something that gets me back to my like, okay, I'm in the present. Like just be present, be present and everything will take care of itself. So I think my advice would be find something that works for you, that calms you down and gets you into that present moment. And how do you figure that out? You got to do it at practice. Try to figure out practice. When you, the second a pressure situation comes up, go to it and believe in it. You got to believe in it. So. so if you don't mind sharing, what was it this, this past year? Um, this past year was, um, I've been writing something in the dirt, but I write something different. I've been writing something different every year. I'm not going to tell you what it is, <laughs> but um, what was it this year? I think this year was just like, did I say let it go? Or just like, I something as far as like, let it go. I'm yeah. sure it wasn't like those nice words, but like, just like, let it be like done. Like, doesn't matter like who cares like that type of deal like mm-hmm. just who cares like and 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 then a kid I could say that a couple times whether it was on offense or defense and like it doesn't matter like here we go and boom just play because you start you do start putting the pressure on you 100% like you want to get a hit you want to throw that person out you want to do all these things and when you want to do it and you keep thinking about it it's not going to happen but mm-hmm. if you can just relax and just say well whatever happens happens like mm-hmm. then let it go and and then let the game take care of itself mm-hmm. so that was mine so just getting to a space where you can clear your mind, yep. let it go, be in the present. 100%. And again, going back to testing and experimenting. Yes. Okay. So mess around with that, see what works for you. Not what works best for Chitty. Exactly. It's what's going to work best for you, the individual athlete or coach. Because I know coaches need it too. Yeah. It's got to be something. You just got to pick it. Um, so let's... Any other lessons throughout, like going from an underclassman maybe to an upperclassman at Michigan? Like what was that uh, transition like for you from like a leadership standpoint, maybe from uh, a role standpoint? Um, Yeah, it was just, I wanted it. Like I wanted what was best for the program. I wanted what was best for the team. And, And I think that one of the things too is that you have to be about it. You know, you can't just talk about it. You can't. You say all these things you have to go out there and you have to be about it and you have to show with action 
you have to you have to hustle you have to you know like all those things like if you can live it people are gonna are gonna buy into it and, and follow so I think that was a big thing too is like how can I you know you know be this you know be the person that I'm trying to demand from everyone else or I want for this team or I I see what this team is capable of um I think that is um a big thing and I think too is like there's moments like the the part that um I struggled with as a leader going into that was like you know getting on someone Mm -hmm. you know if holding somebody accountable yes it is so complicated and that's as a leader I struggled with I was there I was very supportive I could you know encourage people pick people up I could you know like I said I could be about it but when I was trying to hold someone accountable for something that I knew was best for the team I knew they needed to pick up their game I had I struggled with that piece so you struggled with it did you get to a point where you were more comfortable with it or was it always tough for you? No, I don't think I ever got comfortable with it, to be honest. I still struggle with it now, which I wish I could be a little bit like a little bit more assertive with it, a little bit more like, hey, like no, like this is how it's gonna be. And I think I have and I figured out my own way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But um it's definitely a hard part of a leadership role is holding someone holding your teammate accountable because you don't want them to be mad at you, right. you know? And I think that a lot of people struggle in that area. And mm-hmm. it's like and we talked about, you know, finding a good moment to do it. It has to be in a good moment. Mm-hmm. So what other advice would you have for maybe a new leader to help them be able to hold somebody accountable? Yeah, if you can, you know, sometimes for me, it was kind of taking somebody aside. Maybe someone doesn't respond well, getting called out in front of other people. So if you pull that person aside and say, hey, listen, like, you know, is, is everything going okay? Like, you doing all right? Because sometimes people aren't like doing well in practice because there's something in their personal life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, be able to t- take them aside and, and, and just be compassionate and empathetic towards them like hey if you need me I'm here for you I got this I've I had done that a couple of times where you know it, it was definitely beneficial because they were hurting like something was going on in their personal life and they didn't feel comfortable telling you know the team or telling me at some point or whatever it was and mm-hmm. they just needed a, someone to talk to so being empathetic and honest 100 percent okay and I think as a leader too, like, you know, in any group you can get, you know, girls are girls. So you can get, oh, you know, talking about other people, all those things. Like if that's one thing that I learned throughout being on all these teams, like you never talk about other people with other people. Mm-hmm. Like that is a, the biggest no because it's always going to come back mm-hmm. and it's always going to stir some kind of drama. So it's like, you know, if you have a problem with someone, if you're going to talk about someone, you have to be prepared to say it to their face. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't say it to their face, then guess what? what don't say it (laughs) so true yeah (laughs) um those are all great (laughs) lessons for everybody to hear but I want to backtrack real quick okay because we quickly mentioned that your sophomore year was maybe a little bit more of a struggle for you Mm -hmm. what lesson did you take from that season because I'm sure up to that point you didn't have many struggles you're right you were so right 100% I didn't I never struggled like that before that was the first time and I think that's what made the struggle even longer to be honest Mm -hmm. because I had never experienced that much of a a rut Mm -hmm. but in reality when I stopped when I stepped out of it to like like look at it it wasn't even that bad Mm -hmm. it wasn't as bad as I created it to be yeah so I think that in those moments like I one a lot of people they kept saying 
sophomore year slump, like sophomore year slump, sophomore year slump. Like they put it into my universe, damn it, <laughs> dang it. So like they put it out there, and so I think that like, and I kind of started believing it when I messed up. I believed it, and that was like a no. And if I could go back, I when I started struggling in the beginning. I wish I could have. And sometimes you just need to experience it. Sometimes you need to just embrace Mm -hmm. that I am struggling and let it ride out. Mm -hmm. But I put so much energy to the fact that I wasn't doing well that I, it it made it even worse. And at the point in my, in my sophomore year, it was in playoff time where it was like everything turned around for me. It Mm -hmm. was like, I just gave up. Like it was almost like I gave up and I, you let it go. I did. Yeah. I 100% let it go. And it just took me all the way to the end to figure that out and you just I couldn't care I had to care less I had to you know just allow myself to 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 do it and not try to do it all the time and you know one other thing too is like I had success my freshman year and I went and I did extra I did extra my freshman year I I was used to doing extra I did extra but I thought my sophomore year that I could get away with still being good without doing extra because I saw other good players not do extra Mm. but for me, that didn't work for me. I needed to go and do my thing and know that I could do it by myself and do it on the side and then I could transfer it over to the game. I had no confidence builder uppers on the outside. It was right. just what was going on at practice. Mm-hmm. And I learned that quickly towards like towards the end that wow, like I'm not taking care of myself in these situations that make me a better player. Mm-hmm. And then I I mean I learned that real quick in my junior and senior year I went right back to, you know, what I was capable of. So that work on the outside helped build the confidence for you to transition that to the game. 100%. And you don't think if you would have done that, you wouldn't have had that success at the end of the year? I don't think, yeah, I don't think so. I think that I figured out what I was my needs. Like, obviously, like, I let it go. And um, I'm sure that I probably figured it out, like, halfway through that I needed to do stuff on my own. And it didn't work for a little while, and I probably was frustrated still. And then when I got to the point of just giving up, like, it was just giving in. Like, you just have to sometimes surrender. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the, once you can surrender and have maybe a little bit of perspective, mm-hmm. then that allows you the room to actually make that jump. Absolutely. You know, instead of just keep, you've got a shovel, you're in a hole, so what do you do? You just keep digging. Mm-hmm. Instead of stepping back and looking at how can I face the situation differently and get out of the hole. Yep, You know. absolutely. Cool. So, lasting lessons learned from Hutch. Oh my goodness. That could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Yes, maybe we should wait for that one. (laughs) The lady is a legend. Maybe we'll have a compilation of all of her lessons in one, but just maybe one that you continue to use to to this day. I think that, I don't know, like when I think of Hutch and I think of the coaching staff at Michigan, I think of them as demanding excellence. And they demand the best from you in all areas of your life because they they know you can do it, you know. And and I think that Hutch, like, she could see the the capability in you every single day. And she's like, well, why are you settling for less if this is what you're capable of? Like, you need to get to that point. So I I, I you know a lasting lesson is that you know you got to go for it be like that strong you know strong independent woman that you are and and represent yourself the way that 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 you know you can be and because I mean when you believe in yourself like there is no limit so Mm -hmm. I think that's something that 
was drilled into us all the time was just like, what are you doing? Like, no, that's not you. Like, come on, let's go. Let's get you to where you can be. Mm-hmm. So I don't, like, that's one thing that I always think of. And they're the, the most caring people. Like, she can get on you 24-7, but she's going to be the first one to have your back if any situation happens. And she proves that day in and day out and still to this day. And I'm not even part of the program anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, you come into the... You're always a part of the program. Yeah, exactly. You are for life. Yeah. For life. And she means that and she lives that out. Mm-hmm. Like, she's someone, she's a person of action. So I just said like four things all in one for my lessons learned from her, but she's well, they just, could go to a hundred. Hey, they could. Like I could. I have a whole list of things, but yeah, she's a person of action, one hundred percent. She, she doesn't say what she doesn't mean. Like she is who she is, twenty four seven, and that's what you're gonna get. And maybe coming like you also have co- coaching experience, mm-hmm. so being able to see in a player what they don't see in themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a huge thing that coaches have but maybe they don't necessarily uh, vocalize it or communicate it well enough. So the players are always thinking, why is this coach so hard on me? Mm -hmm. But she would actually let you know that this is what I see for you. Mm -hmm. We need to get you there. Absolutely. And I think vocalizing that, explaining it, communicating it, helps the players understand that that level of care Mm -hmm. that a coach has for them instead of just, why are they being so tough? Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have to express that that you believe in them because like you said, or else they're gonna think like, seriously, I can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. But and sometimes you even do feel that, even though they do express that. But mm-hmm. in the end the the player's gonna realize it and the player's gonna thank that coach, you know, at the end of the day because I rather have someone on me and demanding excellence than me going out there trying to go for like half you know, half half effort and no one's saying anything to me about it, mm-hmm. you know? And so. sometimes as coaches, the players don't understand that for years, mm-hmm. but then they it get clicks. it. Yeah. Okay. But you have to be consistent with it. Right. Yeah. Consistency is key in everything we do. Everything. <laughs> especially communication, especially yeah. communication. Okay. So let's go from playing at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Any other things you want to talk about from playing at Michigan? Or you think we're good on that for right now? I think we're good on that for right now. I'm sure you guys will learn lots of <laughs> different things that come up in stories. So, and then, so then we go to your next playing experience, which is USA Team USA. Mm-hmm. Okay, what was that whole process like? You mentioned a little bit in the first podcast, I did. but let's dive into that a little okay. bit deeper. Um, so for me, like I said in the last podcast, that like I had a really successful junior year, like lights out junior year. And I felt that I should have got invited to that tryout. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. It was heartbreaking. But in the end, there was some family different. We had some family things happen that summer. So it was like, okay, maybe it was meant to be. But it was, again, it wasn't, it wasn't going to stop for me. It was, it was that next thing. Like, obviously, you know, winning a national championship, all those things I wanted. But for me, for after college, it was like I wanted to be on that USA team. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make that team. So finally got the invite my senior year. I was so pumped about it so pumped and um i i remember going to tryouts and this was like the first year and the only year because they still haven't done this which i wish they would i mean they (laughs) secured exactly they secured like the whole team they secured i think 11 players Mm -hmm. or or 12 players they secured them so they didn't even really they had they were at tryouts but they didn't really have to try out yeah and so they were looking for five people my first year in 2012 they were mm-hmm. only taking five and out of how many how many were invited 
there was like third there was like I think twenty some, thirty some people there. Wow. I think. Like how it always is. Yeah. I don't know if counting the twelve. I really don't know. That's mm-hmm. a good question though. But yeah, um so five people made the team. And um yeah, I was one of the five, which was awesome. And I just remember going into that trial, I literally have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Like you know, you could go in and, you know, be all nervous and all these things and this, that. No, like, I mean, I really didn't have anything to lose. And I knew that. It was like, if I go out there and just play my game and, and, and showcase myself, like, the way that I know that I'm capable of, like, what do I got to lose? And and in reality, like, you should think that way all the time. Every game. <laughs> yeah, because you don't. Like, even in all these showcases, all those different things, like, just go out there and play. Like, mm-hmm. if someone wants you, awesome. But at least you were able to know that you gave it your all. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did with those couple days at trials. I was like, hey, here I am. Like, I did catching. I did third. I did it first. Like, I kind of, like, went around all three of those and... I had a pretty decent tryout, and I made the team. I was the first person to get called into the room, so I was a little nervous, but I was very excited, yeah. And so then from then on, like every year, I I played that year, and it was an amazing experience. Playing international ball is like nothing I've ever done or experienced in my entire life. It is so different than college. It's so different than anything. It's just this whole cultural experience and I just, I absolutely love it. I've met some amazing people through USA Softball, and it's just, it, I, I love, I love playing internationally. I think the love for the game is just so different than the love for the game here, and it makes you kind of put back into reality of like, you play this game because you enjoy it. It's not a life or death situation. It's not it's meant to be all this pressure and all these things. Like, it's, it's this game that's like. That is just an amazing game that people just love playing. And I think that playing internationally, like, it helps um, keep that fresh in my mind. Because, I mean, if you see how, like, the talent level of some of these people and the commitment that they have, it's like, dang. And, like, you don't even have anything over there. (laughs) I mean, I have so many opportunities and so many resources and everything over here. Why don't I, you know, appreciate it and love it and and, um, give it that much as much as they do? Right. It gives you that perspective. Oh, 100%. Did you see that Jose Altuve video going around? I've seen it, yeah. About how him and his dad would go out there and they just had one ball. Mm-hmm. And they would race after the ball and keep playing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing. That's Literally. That's seeing how it that is, yeah. and then coming back here, you have no excuses. No. I mean, we were in the Dominican and I know that people say, oh, they use, they use like hit with sticks and rocks or anything that they can find. We were out and we were sitting in the bus after a game and these kids had like these little bottle tops and they were like flicking them Mm -hmm. and they were throwing the way that they flicked these things like it was like throwing like a curveball type deal Mm -hmm. and the kids had the sticks and they were just crushing them and they were just having so much fun in this like this street playing with bottle caps and the sticks and it's like wow like they're they're right like it is like this yeah and it does put things into perspective and it kind of goes back to like you playing with a tennis ball, like mm-hmm. playing all those random games growing up. Yeah. Like, if we can do more of that, just we have so much. <laughs> I know it is. It is crazy. And um, the the thing is, is and I I've said it before. You have to want to want it, and those kids want it, so they'll do whatever it takes to get better. And kid, you know, we have players here who have everything in the world to make them better, but they have to want it. Mm-hmm. It can't be their parents. It can't be their coaches. Like you have to want to want to get better. Mm-hmm. And have fun in the process. Exactly. Like, make it a game. Yep. Make it competitive. Because yep. I guarantee you they're not out there just just doing it over and over again. And they're not trying to win something. They're not trying to beat somebody at 
like maybe hitting it more times than the other person yep. or something. Yep. Um, so any, like when you walk into Team USA, so you grew up watching them play in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, did you have any, were you intimidated at all? Were you, did you have any like um, weird feelings walking into something like that? Because that was like the epitome of softball for us growing up, mm-hmm. watching them play in all those Olympics. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's I mean, it's, it's an honor to put on that shirt, like that that jersey, wearing USA across your chest. Like, it's just it's a, it's one like no other. You know, it's you you represent it with pride. Just like when I you know wear my Michigan shirts, it's like you know it's you you're you're representing something way bigger than yourself. And I think that that that's huge. And and yeah, it was just you know it, it was a little bit different for me going into. USA just because it wasn't in the Olympics so it was one of those situations where okay I'm part of this group that's going to try to keep it alive I'm going to keep it I want to keep it alive and and hope that it gets back in and hopefully you get that chance to be able to go to play in the opportunity to play in the Olympics you know we're playing in all these international tournaments same as it would be like if it was you know an Olympic Olympic team or whatever it is but you know we're not playing for that you know Mm -hmm. we were playing to keep it alive Mm -hmm. and we were playing to continue to grow the game and and get the attendance and all those things so I think it was a little bit different in that sense of I don't think that um it was as intimidating because you you know you were taking it on a different role um there's still got to be pressure though like it, there is. Don't get me wrong. There's like, I yeah. mean, there was, especially this past year, too. To keep it alive? It is, yeah. No. I think there would be even more. Yeah. I don't know. I, and I guess it goes back to, too, like, all those girls that were out there playing, we just love playing the game. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those girls. Like, and, and you know, these last couple of years, the teams we've had these last few years have just been amazing with the, the just how we all represent, how we are as people and what we represent for the game and all those things. And it's just, I think that it you don't feel as much pressure because of, you know, the coaching staff and the players that are on the team. Everyone's just very supportive and it's like, you know, we've played this game and you know how to play it and let's go out there and do it, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's a, it's a different, it's a dif- different energy, but it's a good energy. And I know that, um, you know, when we played in the World Championships last year, it was a whole different energy knowing that softball, like, was probably going to be back. Mm-hmm. The energy with all those different countries. It was the first time they ever opened up the World Championships to anyone who wanted to come. Oh, wow. So there was, like, 40-some countries that came and played. That's awesome. And just the energy of, like, the love of the game all in one. And so when you step on the field, it's almost like this excitement, like, let's go. Like, let's play this. and An electric feel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's just like, look You don't at need game. to be motivated in those no, situations. No, it's just. <laughs> It's just there, yeah, yeah, it's in the air. And, you know, playing against Japan, of, of course, it's always, like, one of those, like, okay, here's Japan. But now we play them so many times, it's like, come on. Like, we know we got these guys. Right. And, like, let's compete. Yeah. Let's go. And we know that if we play our game and play to the capabilities that we're capable of, like, you know, we can do well. But we got we to gotta keep up to that. And playing those teams, like Japan, keeps you on your A game. Every day. Every, but even teams like that you would never even expect that you, you can never. That's a thing about international ball too. You, But even in, in college ball, you can't go in and expect to win a game mm-hmm. because the game doesn't know. Like you go in and you have to play the game hard every single time because if you go out there and, and not give it your all, that team could come back and, and get you no matter what. And mm-hmm. people think, oh, the other countries aren't that good. No, like th- those are the harder teams to beat because they're just free swingers. They're free runners. They they do things unexpectedly that aren't normal in the game, mm-hmm. and they it sneaks by you. It's mm-hmm. like so you always got to be on your toes. Like it's not, you know they don't 
do the same things every single time. Like sometimes the game can get predictable, but no, it can't. Like you and you need to play to your level absolutely. every single game. Absolutely. Because once you take a step back, that's when teams get you. Yep. Every time. Yep. Every single time. Yeah. So just any time you approach a game, the expectation should be to respect that other team. Mm-hmm. And in your opinion, what's the only way to respect another team? The only way to respect another team is to to treat them all the same. Like go out there and freaking play the game hard. Mm-hmm. And like it doesn't matter what's on their chest. It doesn't matter. It's the same. You can you can think of that team as the best team if mm-hmm. you want every single time. Mm-hmm. But that's how you gotta play. I played freshman football, and some old legendary coach just walking up and down, probably chewing tobacco, spitting tobacco on the side, um, would say every single team that we were gonna play was the best team we were going to play all year. There you go. He would be like, okay, we're playing Ipsy this week. They're the best team out in the state. <laughs> and we'd be like, yeah, 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 coach. But he would drive us that whole week like they're the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. And when we approached it like that, we won every single game that year because we played to our level. Yeah. And we awesome. always expected the other team to be the best team we were going to play all year. Mm-hmm. So I think having that mindset helps. It's huge. Um, what is a lesson you've learned? Coach Erickson, mm-hmm. what has been your coach every year for Team USA, correct? Yes, he has been. What's something you've taken from him um, that's helped you in your playing career and in your coaching? Um, I think with Coach, it's, it's, it's so crazy because going from, you know, Hutch to Coach Erickson, was, it, was a, it was a really big difference yeah. for me because, you know, Hutch is on you, on you, on you, on you, on you, on you, on you. And then Coach Erickson is very laid back like obviously he expects from you and demands from you but in a different it, it's in a more like um i would say everything's positive sometimes i'm like can you just yell at me please <laughs> like i know that wasn't good yeah you know but his approach is like you got you know you, you're fine you got this and he's taught me a lot about the the game and the you know mechanical side of things the keeping it simple i think the biggest thing from him is like keep it simple just you, you got this kid. Keep it simple, you know. Like I, and he's same thing. He is a huge advocate for all of us, mm-hmm. and is so supportive. And if we needed anything, and we called him, he would he would be there for us in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that's huge to know that your coach is that type of figure. And mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to have it in high school, in college, and now with the USA team. And you know, like I said, he's he's taught me so much about the game. And you know, I've done a lot of catching with USA, so he's helped me a lot with. The different like with the catching piece of the game as far as um like you know calling games thinking the games and and helping me with with that piece and um any any tips you could throw out there for catchers who do call their own games because i know it it doesn't happen very often these days yeah. like most coaches call the games yeah but i think it's it's a great call when you do let a catcher call the game because they have a lot of information at their hands. Absolutely, a ton of information, so and I'm like, still learning. Oh, definitely, but maybe like one or two tips. I, I think that, you, one, you got to know your pitcher. you got to know your pitcher's you know strengths. You, what's their go-to pitch? So when you get into situations that you need a strike, that you need her to throw her best pitch, what is that pitch? So mm-hmm. you really got to know the pitcher. Can they throw a change-up with, with um, three balls? You mm-hmm. know? Can they throw back-to-back change-ups? 
um, you know, when they go up, how is it? When they go down, how is it? Like, do you, do you need, like, I think communication with the pitcher and knowing how the pitcher operates is, is a, a huge, a huge step. Like, mm-hmm. I know that I can't call this certain pitch with this, with this pitcher, but with this other pitcher, I can. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like, you're going to make mistakes, but you have to learn from those mistakes. And that might change day to day. Like what the pitcher can throw day to day. Exactly. And I think the biggest thing, though, like your goal is to keep the hitter off balance. Like if you can keep the pitter off balance and guessing as a catcher, you're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, and you got, it's just, it's, it's trial and error. You got to practice. And I remember it was a couple years ago and we were talking about the same thing, but you mentioned to me, if a hitter can't hit a certain pitch, keep going there until... They until prove they prove you wrong. Yep. So don't Coach get, Erickson always says that. Don't get fancy nope. trying to throw a changeup, mm-hmm. which allows to hit a hitter to hit a pitch if they can't hit an inside screwball or fastball. Mm-hmm. You know, keep it on their hands until they prove yeah, it. Yeah, if something's working, don't change it. Yeah. Just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't get too fancy no. for your own good. There you go. Just to throw random pitches. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Um, playing in Japan in front of what sometimes looks like 100,000 people. <laughs> what was that like? How, how many people was it Ew. this past this past year? Was it 30,000? I think it was about 30,000. I think it was 30,000. But what was that like? Because you probably never played in front of that no, many people. No, no. <laughs> and so before the game, we had to do a home run derby. We didn't have, like, I got chosen to do the home run derby or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been that nervous in my entire <laughs> life. And I kept thinking to myself, what are you, why are you so nervous? Yeah. Like, whatever. And it's like, just so many people. Yeah. For me, it was good because I was catching that game, so all the people were behind me, so gotcha. I didn't really get to gotcha. see them too much. Yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty awesome. I mean, just seeing all those people support softball and all the things that we have been through to try to build up softball, mm-hmm. it was an, an amazing sight to see. Yeah. Because, you know, in 2012, 2013, there was, like, nobody watching us. Yeah. And then to be able to build that up, in Japan, just so committed to getting softball back, and mm-hmm. I mean, Japan loves softball, so like it was, it was unreal. Like yeah. I, I hope that because when we went again this past year, um, there was a ton of people. That, mm-hmm. I don't not thirty thousand, but there was a ton of people in the stands this past year too, watching us play. Yeah, so it was awesome to see all that support. You guys are like a league of their own. Yeah, like I, I see you hitting in the home run derby and then doing the splits, like <laughs> Dottie. <laughs> I wish, but yeah. But but you've like you've grown the game in such a short amount of time because, mm-hmm. I mean, let's have it. Like, there was a tension on the game when they decided not to put in the Olympics mm-hmm. because the USA had been so dominant. Mm-hmm. You know, so it definitely increased the level of play for everyone. Yeah, because they're like, okay, we need to do something to get this back in yep. to have that platform to have that experience for players. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need a punch in the face, a kick in the butt to yeah. say, okay, we need to do this better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what you guys have done. And I just want to thank you <laughs> and USA for doing that yeah, for the game because now it's back in. Mm-hmm. And now everybody can have that dream yeah. all over again. Yep. And at the end of the day, you're going to be able to say, I helped make that happen. Absolutely. So it's pretty cool. It is pretty awesome. And it's it's awesome all the commitment with the people in USA. You know, Coach E was there through all of it and a lot of people with USA that was there through all of it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a whole staff of people that stuck through that whole
that whole time, which is awesome for them to keep fighting to, to get it back. Mm-hmm. So it just it makes it even better. Yeah. yeah. So keep keep watching, everybody. It's, yes, it's only going to grow from here. It really is. It really, really, truly is. And for all of you players out there, keep that dream alive because it's there now. Mm-hmm. And it's back, and it's thanks to players like Chitty. Um, Stop it, who put, put in the work and like believed in it. Because a lot of people stepped back and said, okay, that's not going to happen. I'm going to go play somewhere else now. Yeah. Instead of being committed to... Keep making it happen. The country, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. There's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely moments where it's like, you know, should I still be doing this? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and but it's just like, hey. What kept you just, going? The... The shot that the possibility of it being back in because every year it was like okay it might be it might be it might be like yeah. they kind of kept that hope just like dangling along and it was like okay and then you know after I got back from playing because I played in Japan for for a year and after I got back I was just I was I'd never been burnt out from softball before and mm-hmm. I was burnt out like yeah. I needed a break and I didn't think that I was going to keep playing and it was you know shortly after that that it was like it got back in I was like oh man. You know, because at that point, like, people were asking me, and I remember telling my parents, like, I don't know if I even want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to keep playing it, but I just needed a break. And then once I got that break, I couldn't make any rational decisions. Once mm-hmm. I got that break and could rest a little bit, I got that drive again. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the sport. I love working. I love practicing and getting better. Like, I love, I love getting better at this game. And there's always room for improvement. And I just... It's so it's so awesome mm-hmm. to me. So, yeah, I feel like that wraps up most of my journey. She's Maybe. gonna end it right here, but there's gonna be a part two for Chitty because we haven't even talked about coaching. Oh, jeez, no, we haven't. So, we, well, these people—I mean, we've been talking for what an hour right now already. <laughs> I can't get enough though. Yeah, but we'll end it right here. Okay. The playing journey continues for Chid. It does continue, and I continue to work. Like, I mean, we're going to finish finish off this podcast and go hit for a little bit and do some running and all that stuff. And it's just, you got like I said before, you got to love it and you got to want it. And if you, you know, when you love it, the work doesn't feel like work anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it's just enjoyable. It's fun. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's fun getting better at that. So, you know, find something that you just enjoy getting better at. That's what you got to do. I think we're going to end it right there. Beautiful. (laughs) Thanks, Shid. Yep. (laughs) And that's a wrap on the first real episode of the Champion Builder Show. Uh, We hope you loved uh, the interview format here. Hope you picked up a couple things you can take with you and maybe implement uh, this coming week from Chitty. She really gets it. Uh, If you loved it, Hit subscribe, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. Uh, Go hit us up on Instagram and maybe ask us any questions uh, you might have in the comments over there. Uh, We'd love to have you in our community. That's it from Champion Builder. Have a great week.